BCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. Thank you for joining us for Crosstalk today and uh, for all this week, ladies and gentlemen, lots of information to unfold. Right now, the Middle East is like a powder keg, literally ready to explode at any time. Israeli forces are preparing for a ground assault into Gaza. Uh, earlier today, Hamas launched drones to infiltrate Israeli airspace and attack Israeli targets. CBN News reports action by Hezbollah on Israel's northern border reflects preparations for an invasion. The U.S. military has assets on the scene. China warning the U.S. about involvement. Pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel rallies and demonstrations are taking place around this country and around the world. Well, addressing many of these issues today, we welcome back Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, Jr., speaker, teacher, Middle East guide, videographer, speaker on Prophecy Today. He lived and worked in Jerusalem for many years, fully credentialed journalist, has led numerous tours to Israel. Dr. DeYoung, thanks for being with us today. Jim, great to be with you. You were with us just two weeks ago here. This was just the Monday after Israel had been attacked. And uh, Dr. DeYoung, you have been to Israel many occasions. You live there. Put in perspective what is unfolding in in the south at Gaza and also at the north uh, with Lebanon and the, and the threat from Hezbollah. Well, Jim, just uh, a couple weeks into this, what we're calling and what the world is calling the war in Israel between Israel and Hamas, we see that 5,400 people were wounded, 1,400 people were murdered. We're now seeing the pictures that are coming out, the verification. They're still finding bodies of what takes place, uh, what has taken place, uh, despicable, um, you know, uh, aspects of of this terrorist activities. We're finding out uh, what the terrorists were given, the instructions that they were given, the drugs that they were given, to be able to carry these things out. No regard for life. Not even in their, within their own ranks is there any regard for life, but for the Jewish people, anything went. And we have seen that now. The world has seen that. Uh, there are 222 captives uh, in Gaza. If you say that two were just released, I know it's fluid on the ground now, which means there are things that are happening by the moment. Sometimes we, as uh, normal citizens, normal human beings uh, that just go about our every day that we're listening, uh, we're not going to know about events and what is really happening behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a good guess for a lot of people, and a lot of people are clamoring to be that person to talk about what's going on. I'm only telling you what I know, Jim, and I know that the Jewish people, life has been sucked out of their world, but their resolve is very strong. Um, a lot of them that I've talked to on our radio program and, and daily when we talk to, and I just got off the phone talking with people that want to give to the church in Jerusalem, one that we helped establish that my dad did that, uh, with a, a young man by the name of Minnow Kaloshir, a Friends of Israel pastor who was a Sabra that was born there. When you hear the accounts of how life has been sucked away from them, but at the same time how the only way that they can continue to go on is to focus on helping one another. And you look at these families that are displaced in the north. You talked about on the northern border with Israel, um, Matula, Kiryat uh, uh, Shimona. You've got uh, villages up there. Uh, I mean, if, if people have been to Israel, when you went to the area of um, the Banyas or Caesarea Philippi, you were right on the border between Israel and Lebanon. So you know how close the borders are. We take our groups over to an area where we overlook into Syria. If you've been, if you followed along the top portion of the country of Israel, a lot of those Israeli neighborhoods have been evacuated. We're talking 200,000 people. 100,000 were taken and, and moved by the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, 100,000 moved on their own. These people are moving south because 
no place is really safe mm-hmm. in the land of Israel at this moment. And that is the scary part for those people that are living there with, you've got Hamas or Hezbollah on the north, you've got Hamas on the Gaza Strip still firing rockets into Israel. You've got others, nations, that are being pulled into this. So far, Egypt, Jordan are staying out of it. But uh, yes, Jim, people, the only way that they can survive, and they know that they're going to lose more casualties. The IDF understands that they're going to lose more. More people are going to die. Their soldiers, when they go into the Gaza Strip, when and if it does happen, they know that there are going to be more deaths to take place. The result? Israel, Israel, when they celebrate, it's not a celebration, but it's a celebration of life. But they sit Sheva. They sit for seven days mourning when someone dies. And really, the whole country could be mourning at this point. But mm-hmm. they have to stay alert. Right, right. They're under attack. And it seems their resolve is only strengthening as far as it is to root out uh, Hamas at this point. And I know military leadership in Israel have told their troops late last week, prepare for the ground invasion, you know, be ready to go. Uh, They have the authorization to go. Any idea where this matter sits? Uh, Can we expect this might be an imminent uh, land invasion? Uh, There's concern uh, if they do that, that uh, that's going to unleash Hezbollah from the north. Yes, well... We know that the IDF has been on bombing raids. 6,200 rockets have been fired into the Gaza Strip, pinpointing exactly. There's collateral damage always in these types of situations, Jim. But the IDF making sure, telling people to get out. If you're innocent, you can get out of the buildings. Uh, They've got the tunnels underneath, which is going to be an unbelievable um, problem for the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, when they go in to fight this. But they're ready. The generals are saying, we are ready. What's happening, Jim, right now is that the government officials, politicians, are having given the go-ahead. And I think that there's a lot. In fact, I just saw a percentage today. um, The government is only backed by 28% of the people of Israel. Um, that means they're losing confidence in the government. Well, when that happens and you lose confidence, that means governments fall. The coalition dissolves, and they have to, they're in a wartime situation, so they have a war cabinet right now that helps make these decisions. But Prime Minister Netanyahu is coming under tremendous pressure, probably from his own people to exact revenge on the attack that took place on October 7th, but from the rest of the world. In fact, I just saw President Macron from France is coming and he's calling for peace. Let's let's live at peace. Let's let's we need to establish a peace. You can't establish peace with terrorists, Jim. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned this tunnel system. I'd like you to comment further about this. I mean, we have the economy minister, Nur Barakat, probably said his name wrong, but he said that Israel would turn Hamas's underground terrorist tunnel into the world's biggest cemetery. What do we know about this tunnel system? Well, uh, they have learned, and they have been tunneling for years in the Gaza Strip. I mean, literally for years, probably 20 to 25 years. Uh, They have become expert tunnel builders uh, and how it all takes place, how how they build them, uh, their passageways, where they can appear in one part of the city. Now, remember, the Gaza Strip is only about 25 miles long, seven miles wide at its widest point, about three and a half miles wide at its narrowest point. So we're not talking about a huge area, but, you know, millions of people that live there, the buildings that were there, they would use, they would fire their rockets from one area. When Israel would try to pinpoint where the rockets came from, the terrorists would pop up someplace else in the city. So with quick, you know, access uh, and escape routes for them to go underground and to be, there really is a city. They're not the first to do this. If you remember after 9-11, as we went into Afghanistan and we went searching for those that were responsible for bringing down the Twin Towers, our military came in contact with huge underground cities where bin Laden and, and those that were responsible for the terrorist attacks hid out in Afghanistan in the mountains. Here in the city, yes, it's underground, and I've even heard that they have talked about, and if you can imagine this, Jim, imagine this. So the Holocaust took place. Six million Jews went to their deaths, most of them in gas ovens. 
There's even the best way to eliminate in these tunnels, the safest way, is to put gas in these tunnels to exterminate the terrorists. So it's, it's a little hard for people that suffered at the hands of a Holocaust event using gas to now talk about possibly. In fact, some of the trucks that came into the Gaza Strip, they were afraid that those were tankers bringing in gas. But none of us know how it's going to take place. Yeah, yeah. And if those young men need to go in to those tunnels, they are certainly going to lose their life, as we know very well from Vietnam and, and other um, events that we have been a part of militarily. Yeah, and it seems also, uh, Brother Jimmy, that it, it seems every day that goes by, we learn of the atrocities, that they're worse than, than what we learned before. Uh, I mean, according to Israel National News, uh, they had interrogations. Uh, Hamas offered some $10,000 and an apartment to anyone who abducted an Israeli. Uh, they were instructed to go after elderly Israeli women and children. An Israeli morgue worker says the horrors, the horrors inflicted on the victims of Hamas are mm. worse than the Holocaust. And they mentioned that, that what we're seeing is worse than the Holocaust. Yes. And, and that's, uh, and you think about these young men. Uh, Menno Kalashir's son, Danny, he's on the front lines. He's a combat paratrooper. He went into the kibbutz. These young men that have, Danny has five children, young children. When he goes in and sees this, their lives are never going to be the same again. When you see these events, the atrocities that were taking place, uh, the babies that were beheaded, that were burned, those that were uh, families that uh, fathers were protecting their children, and they were all huddled together. It's heartbreaking, Jim. It's heartbreaking. But when you, when you understand Bible prophecy, this is only the beginning of the time of Jacob's trouble. Mm-hmm. You mentioned drugs earlier, too. What, what were you referring to? Yes, uh, they were given packets. Uh, so when, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a tactic that was used by ISIS, by the Muslim Brotherhood. In order to fight, you almost have to have this uh, ability to, to have no regard for life. You have to be able to do despicable things to people. And they were given drugs, a drug that was uh, allowed them to be out of their minds. Uh, it's not a new practice. Uh, if you go back to ancient time practice, a lot of assassins were high on hashish. Uh, this is a, just a, an extension of that practice of giving them a drug that would make them out of their minds so that it, they would fulfill and yes, they, uh, we saw pictures of backpacks, little children's backpacks that were loaded with uh, uh, munitions like C4 and to blow up, ready to blow up. They were given instructions. Uh, they have sat down with several of the terrorists that were caught alive. They have uh, interviewed them. They have interrogated them uh, multiple different ways, but we're seeing that they had instructions and even in... The Hamas had instructions to put together a chemical weapon that would be unleashed that would make those cities uninhabitable for the next 20 years. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, Jr. with us here today on Crosstalk, uh, that Middle East war escalating. And uh, friends, we're breaking it down and uh, giving you uh, information, insight, uh, and also we'll be looking at uh, prophetic uh, implications with all of this as well. And uh, the website for our guest, prophecytoday.com. That's prophecytoday.com. Back in one minute, you're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY America Network. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation seminar speaker with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, do creationists sometimes use bogus arguments for creation? Unfortunately, they do, Chris. Some favorite arguments that sound so good really aren't well established. Thankfully, there is plenty of good evidence that creationists can use. One example of an outdated argument is the possible human footprints found in the same strata as dinosaur footprints in Texas. Now, I was one of the original developers of this theory and published the authoritative book on it. But the more research we did, the more we saw problems. So I removed my book from the market and we no longer use that claim. I feel it's too ambiguous to use. Now, others still do use that argument, and while I don't oppose them, I do encourage them to use the better evidence. True evidence for creation is strong and convincing, especially as we use that Back to Genesis perspective. This is Chris O'Brien. Thanks for going Back to Genesis. 
This is Crosstalk on VCY America. Dr. Jimmy D. Young Jr. with us here today from prophecytoday.com, their website, and uh, taking a look at uh, matters continuing to unfold in Israel, the battle against Hamas, the threat from Hezbollah from the north as well. Uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, Brother Jimmy, I know that the U.S., along with several other countries around the world, have told their citizens, get out of Lebanon. Mm. Yes. Uh, they've evacuated uh, even the Lebanese, you know, just as they evacuated, evacuated Jim, on the northern border mm-hmm. between Israel and Lebanon. They evacuated Israelis from up there. And you also have Druze families. Druze families that live up there that uh, have uh, these Druze people uh, that, uh, you know, they have their own beliefs, their own religion. They're not Jewish. Uh, they do come from the Arab world, but they uh, you have Syrian Druze, you have Lebanese Druze, you have Israeli Druze. Druze in Israel, they are very loyal to the country that they live in. They have a lot of their young boys and women, men and women, that have fought and served in the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force. They're being evacuated. I doubt very many of them are leaving, but on the Lebanese side, yes, they are evacuating Lebanese that are Lebanese nationals that live there. And America, and just as any other country in the world, is indicating that you need to get out of the country as soon as possible because this could be a war that draws in. If Hezbollah is in the north, an Iranian proxy, Hamas in the south, if Iran gets involved, more than likely you're going to have Turkey that will be drawn into this. Mm-hmm. And these are the nations, Jim, of Ezekiel 38. You're going to have Syria that will readily get involved in a fight. They have been in a fight with Israel for the last 30 or 40 years. Bashar al-Assad and Hafez al-Assad, these, these two men, the father and son, would make Saddam Hussein really look very docile compared to what they have done against the Syrian people. So this is something that goes on throughout the Arab-Muslim world. Jordan has stayed out. There, King Hussein um, uh, has uh, stayed out. Uh, he has kept his people. They're watching what's going on. But even uh, those in Jordan, they have told those folks to get out. Those in Egypt, anybody that's an American or any other nationality, they have told them to go back to where, you know, the country that you come from. Yeah, it's a, it's a very uh, tenuous time in the Middle East. What's your comments uh, on President Biden's visit last week to Israel? Mm, well, <laughs> uh, mixed, Jim. I'll be honest with you, mm-hmm. mixed. Uh, I, I do see Biden was one of the first. And, uh, you know, if the United States of America, and I'm very patriotic, if we're number one in the world, I'm not sure that we are uh, militarily or economically anymore, but if we're the number one power in the world, President Biden was one of, if not the first, big political um, government leader to go to Israel to offer their support. That hasn't been the case I can remember, Jim, let's go back into the summertime. Um, Even when uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu was elected, President Biden was the last to call him to congratulate him. He's been basically against this government that's in place now. He's been, he, he called himself a friend of Netanyahu, but he certainly didn't act it. And whether he didn't know that he wasn't calling them, or his handlers didn't tell him to call. Somebody is responsible in the White House for this, you know, kind of discrepancy as, are you a friend or are you not a friend of Israel? Well, President Biden flew to Israel, offered their support, um, offered the support uh, humanitarian aid, but that aid not only goes in, but he did tell Israel to follow through and wipe Hamas out. All right, we will give them that. But he provided humanitarian aid, which we should do as an American nation. We should provide humanitarian aid to both sides. But let's not make any more concessions, and let's not let the Palestinians dictate, uh, or Hamas, which really Hamas and Fatah. Fatah is the organization 
that supports the Palestinian Authority. Hamas is an Iranian proxy, which is a terrorist organization that is much more wants to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Fatah, they came in. This is an organization the Palestinian Authority started and brought back into existence by Yasser Arafat. Um, they started the two-state, the, the thought of a two-state solution, but really behind the scenes for years, uh, the PLO or the Palestinian Authority, it was as it was come to be known through the peace agreements, which first started with the Camp David Accord, the Oslo Accords, um, when Yasser Arafat, Bill Clinton, and Shimon Perez met on the White House lawn, and if you remember that famous painting where they uh, picture where they're you know all standing there in the quest for peace, they were given the uh, Nobel Peace Prize. They haven't been looking for peace. Their idea was to get a two-state solution where the one state would become more powerful with the money, the, the money that's donated by nations of the world to the Palestinians. And that money was used, would have been used, to wipe Israel off the face mm-hmm. of the earth. Wow. So you've got, you've got people that are speaking out of both sides of their mouth. And I, I, I would commend President Biden for going there. Um, and I will tell you this, we do know the Abrahamic blessing in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Those that bless Israel, I will bless. Those that curse Israel, I will curse. If America ever turns its back on Israel and wants to go wholeheartedly into supporting Iran, we've seen what President Biden has been doing in Iran, wanting to help them build their nuclear facilities, uh, releasing $6 billion to them to continue this process, to sell their oil. It's almost like we're talking out of both sides of our mouth. And sometimes we have a saying here in Texas, Jim, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it must be a duck. And I'm not sure that President Biden is really a friend of the Jewish people. Okay, and and that many are wondering too are are there messages being given to Israel not publicly? Publicly, we know you know the strong stands, but are there messages being given behind closed doors in those private conversations that are telling Israel to to, to moderate their position to just mm-hmm. you know give things up? I mean, we don't know what we don't know at this point. Exactly, uh, but we can know why why are they holding off going into the Gaza Strip to to finish off Hamas. Mm-hmm. What's the holdup? Now, I've heard weather was the holdup. I've heard that they're waiting to the United States gets more of their uh, their military in position to help in this fight. Israel wants to go at it. So what is making politicians in Israel not give the go-ahead to go in and finish off? And that's the fear that the IDF has. They're going to wait so long that there will be a conflict on the northern border of Israel that the IDF will have to switch and and pivot and go north because they're being attacked by all sides. Right, right. This is not the first time in history. It happened in 1948 when Israel became a state. Happened in 67, 73. So yes, um, they're pretty adapted. But nobody wants to see this war. You mentioned this humanitarian aid uh, to Gaza, and I, I know a top Biden State Department official, it was Deputy National Security Advisor John Finder, but he said that the Biden administration believes there is an understanding with Hamas that they will allow this aid to get through to those living in Gaza. Again, he said, we believe there's an understanding. And I thought, wow, that, that's not very strong. And this is the same group that literally mutilated Israelis. And we believe we've got an understanding they're going to let this aid get through? Yes, uh, Jim, um, on our weekend program, and he's been on your station quite often on our daily program, Israel Madat, who is the former mayor of Shiloh. He lives in Shiloh in the Judea and Samaria area, what the world calls the West Bank. He said to us this last weekend, how much more do we have to prove to you that they don't abide by their word? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, how many more people have to be killed? How many more situations have to take place? And he said, believe me, you know, they came for us first, but they're going to come for America. And if you don't believe that, then, you know, you're not being a wise administer of your government. Wow. 
Dr. Jimmy DeYoung Jr. with us here today on Crosstalk as this Middle East war escalates. Uh, last week also, uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin was in China, met with uh, Chairman Xi. Um, mm. This is a significant meeting and, and events with uh, China and Russia, too, is it not? Oh, man. Well, this is a whole nother. And again, we're starting to see the nations of Ezekiel 38, Jim. And that's the one thing that we go on. You know, Israel's had these situations before. We were talking about that uh, before we started the program today. Yes, Israel has been in this situation before. Not the travesty that took place, but, you know, uh, they have been attacked before. Uh, Vladimir Putin now is getting involved, and I think he wants this conflict to continue so that he can, the eyes of the world are, are taking their focus off of Russia and Ukraine and now focused on Israel. He can do what he has done and is doing to the Ukrainian people. Again, I, you know, this that situation there could have been resolved very quickly. It didn't have to go to war, but war is money. War is a big money producer, so people are want to fund these wars. Well, now uh, China is getting involved, and we're starting to see the nations of Bible prophecy. Ezekiel 38, Daniel 11, Psalm 83, uh, and then Revelation chapter 16, the kings out of the east. And as you see China getting involved in here, they, they are going to benefit for this, from this conflict that is taking place. And that is the beginning of Bible prophecy being fulfilled. Okay, so break down if you would, because we looked at Ezekiel 38. We'll see different names of countries there. Help us understand who are the major players of the Ezekiel 38 war. Well, you've got uh, you've got Gog as a personality, Magog. Uh, you you really have to go back to Genesis chapter ten, where you find that, that nations came into existence. Genesis chapter ten, nations, the those descendants of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, those nations came into existence. They had to have a language, they had to have people, and they had to have a land. Magog went north of the Black and Caspian Sea, in Ezekiel thirty-eight. Magog would be modern-day Russia. Gog is a personality, so at this moment in history, Gog would be Vladimir Putin. Now, it could have been years ago, it could have been Gorbachev, it could have been any one of the Russian leaders Mm -hmm. had that been the time uh, of an attack from Russia. But today it is Vladimir Putin, and we can see that he also is one of those men. So then you take a look at those nations that are mentioned there. Uh, Meshach, Gomer, and Tagarma. That's modern-day Turkey. Uh, Tayyavar again, he wants to be the, the pan-Islamic leader of the, of the uh, Islamic world. He wants to be. He's got a huge nation. So you're looking at Turkey that could be involved. Persia in Ezekiel 38, up until 1936, what was known as Persia is known today as Iran, uh, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. These are all Islamic nations. Then you look at uh, Ethiopia, Somalia, Sudan, those nations that are there. That's where ISIS went to after it was kicked out of Iraq. It went to North Africa. Um, And then you've got Libya, which would be put in some Bibles, Libya. These are all nations that are going to come against Israel. Friends, we're going to take a quick break. I'm also opening our phone lines here, 1-800-733-9829. If you have a question or a brief comment for our guest today, 1-800-733-9829. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Are you aware of past crises when America's fate hung desperately in the balance? The French and Indian War, the Revolution, the Civil War, and in other national events, leaders in our country called the nation to prayer. In the book, Miracles in American History, author Susie Federer recounts 32 amazing stories of answered prayer. Read about events like the winter at Valley Forge, the Boston Tea Party, dense fog that appeared allowing 8,000 troops to escape, the Star-Spangled Banner, and other events where prayer had an impact. You'll also learn when Apollo 13 was lost in space and what happened after the president called the nation to prayer. Volume 1 of Miracles in American History is available for a donation of $18 
or obtain Volumes 1 and 2 with additional stories for a donation of $33. Call 1-800-729-9829. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung Jr. is with us today on broadcast and talking about the escalation of this Middle East war. We see uh, Israel wanting to uh, take, remove Hamas off the face of the earth. Hamas had pledged to do that to Israel. We see that same warning that has come from uh, Iran and and other nations, uh, Muslim nations, and uh, Israel seeking now uh, really to... uh, uh, retaliate after its citizens were mutilated, tortured, killed, kidnapped. But uh, things are escalating in the Middle East. We have Dr. Jimmy DeYoung Jr. with us right now here on the program and uh, talking about the, the escalation of matters unfolding. Uh, we are told in Psalm 122 to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Comment on this psalm in particular, how that does apply to us. So what What should believers be doing also in times like these? Wow, that's a great question, Jim. Psalm 122, and we're always quoting verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls. But let's go back. So when you look at the beginning of Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 122 is a prophetic passage The only time, and when you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the only time that there will be true peace in Jerusalem is when Jesus Christ returns to the earth. He touches down on the Mount of Olives, as depicted in Zechariah chapter 14. He builds a temple. He goes and fights the battle of Armageddon. He then goes from there to the wilderness, and I believe that is the modern-day city of Petra, that ancient, one of the ancient wonders of the world. In Jordan, he gathers the Jews that are there, and he brings them from the way of the east, Zechariah 14 describes, and he comes into the city of Jerusalem. He goes up onto his holy mountain, 16 times referred to in the Word of God. That is the top of Mount Moriah, where the Holy of Holies stood in the previous temples. That's where Jesus Christ will sit down on his earthly throne that was promised to him in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7. So the only time that there will be peace in the future is when Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning in the city of Jerusalem. So when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, yes, we want peace for those people now as we want peace around the world. But the only time that true peace will come, you're actually praying for the return of Jesus Mm. Christ to the earth. And so when we pray today for peace, yeah, don't be alarmed because there is going to come a man, that first seal that is broken, Revelation chapter 6, 1 and 2. The man riding a white horse is the Antichrist. 27 different names for the Antichrist in scriptures. The man of perdition, the man of sin, the man that loves military. That man is going to come and provide a false peace for the Jewish people. When you look at Ezekiel 38, it talks about when that battle will take place when Israel is living at a time of false peace. We're looking, we're seeing it right now. But Jim, so when you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that only happens when Jesus Christ returns to the earth. That's seven years after the time of the tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble. That takes place, that tribulation period begins after the rapture of the church, and when the Antichrist confirms a peace treaty with Israel to protect them. So when we focus on President Macron coming and calling for a world peace to bring peace to the Middle East, this is the most talked, besides the war, this is the most talked about item, world peace. And we're looking at a time when that second seal, Revelation chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, the man riding a red horse, which represents war, I believe that that's the war of Ezekiel 38, Daniel 11, and Psalm 83. And if we're so close to that, but before that, the Antichrist has to be revealed. Before that, the rapture of the Church has to take place. Hmm. How much closer are we to the rapture of the Church? Wow. wow. So as we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we are praying for the time when the Messiah is reigning then in Jerusalem. Exactly. And I, I, my mind right away went, brother, to uh, Revelation 22, verse 20, which testifieth these things, say, Surely I come quickly, amen, even Amen. so come, Lord Jesus. And Amen. That, that be our yep. prayer. 
Our lines are packed. We're going to begin with uh, Carl in Lake Delton, Wisconsin. Carl, you're on the air. God bless your ministries. You know, they, they, they always argue for a two-state Jerusalem, I mean, uh, Israel. They have that. It's Gaza and Israel. They already have that. Yeah. And uh, so how is that How is that working out? It's like uh, gun control in Chicago. That's working out wonderful. <laughs> Just like yeah. Carl, you're, you're exactly right, Carl. That's a great, uh, great thought. Uh, they already have a second state. Uh, but, you know, really, they ha- the Arabs that are living in what was called Palestine before 1948, this was the land of Palestine. So Palestinians is really a misname for Arabs that live because Jews that lived in this land geographical location that was under the auspices of the British, you know, the British ran it, the British, the Balfour Declaration, uh, those, there were Arabs and Jews that lived in the land of what was called Palestine. So the Palestinian people, and, and this is something that you've got to watch too, because Hamas and the Palestinian Authority are saying the Jews, uh, you know, uh, they have taken our land that was ours for 3,000 years. No, if you go back and we use the Word of God as our vanguard, Jim, mm-hmm. you're going to see that this was the land that was given to the Jewish people. They were dispersed. And now they're come back into the land, was which was prophecy. Yeah, thank you, Carl. Ed in Tennessee, you're on the air. Yes, hello. I I want to know when do you think um, Israel will unload the bomb on Damascus and uh, fulfill prophecy? Will they use atomic nuclear bombs? Ah, uh, good question. For a long time, Ed, uh, you know, Israel was uh, it was a very closely guarded secret that everybody knew <laughs> that Israel had the bomb. Uh, and that nuclear uh, device, uh, they developed it, and that's what gave them the strength in the Middle East. Now, you asked a question about Isaiah 17, the destruction of Damascus. I happen to believe that there are no other prophecies to be fulfilled before the rapture of the church takes place. I believe it's an imminent event. It can happen at any moment. So I believe that Isaiah 17 and the destruction of Damascus will take place after the Antichrist have gained control and tried to provide peace in the Middle East. And you see the nations in Daniel chapter 11, that's a king out of the north that refers to Syria. King out of the south refers to Egypt. So I think that that's the time when the destruction of Damascus will take place. Okay, thanks for the call. Let's go to Ron next, uh, out of Milwaukee. I'm sorry, Wisconsin. Ron, you're on the air. Thank you. Um, in regards to Ezekiel 38 and the timing, is is this war uh, somewhat of a precursor to the Ezekiel 38 war? As it says there in verse 11, I will go up to a land of unwalled villages. And, of course, that's not the case right now. Exactly, Ron. Very good point that you make. Look, there could be more. We've had since 1948, since they became a nation again. And Jim, we talked about this on our uh, on the program last time I was on. Yes, they had the War of Independence. They had 1956. They had 1967. They had 1973. 2000. Uh, 1984. Uh, let's see. What else? Do we? 2006. So there could be more skirmishes. It's just that, and and this is, and we said right before we went on the program, it's not the first time in history that we have been at this place where Israel, in fact, less than 30 minutes after it became a state in 1948, they were attacked on five fronts. So they've been in this spot before. There could be more down the road. Uh, When we look at these nations, these are the nations that are from that Ezekiel 38, the War of Gog and Magog. we just see that they're all getting involved, and they're playing a bigger role. Mm-hmm. Will it simmer back down? God's timing is the key, and that takes place after the rapture of the church. So, yeah, we're seeing a precursor, but every day, every year since it became a nation in 1948, we've seen precursors to the battle between Gog and Magog. Well, thank you for the call, Ron, but it's kind of like uh, the, the birth pangs are, are increasing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. Let's go to Connie next in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Hi, Connie. You're on the air. Hi. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your program so much. I'm just going to read from God's Word, 
this is a problem that came to me on the day. It was in my, my daily reading. Um, it's from Proverbs 26, and this is in regards to President Biden and how I wish I could believe what he puts out there. But, you know, most of the time, probably to my shame, I mute him because I have a hard time believing what he says. But anyway, this is what Proverbs 26, 24 says. He who hates disguises it with his lips mm. and lays up deceit within himself. Here's the key. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. So you can't always trust what people say. They can speak kindly, and the enemy of our soul hmm. looks at, makes it look like he's an angel of light. But I'm sorry, I don't trust him. Hmm. Thank you, uh, I agree with you, Carol. And here's the thing that, that I remind people all the time, you know, and Revelation seventeen seventeen says God uses world leaders to accomplish his will, right? And when we pray for the right uh, ordained government official, and that's what all government officials are ordained by God, it doesn't matter if they're Republican or Democrat. Uh, and I think today we're seeing out of both sides, Republicans and Democrats are uh, are just as bad, right? So I don't think we could just put us on one, I, and and I think you would know where I would stand. Uh, and here's, I will tell you this, Jim, here's where, uh, here's the criteria I use for finding, uh, voting for someone, um, where they stand on abortion, if they're pro-life, where they stand on uh, same-sex marriage, or marriage is between man and a woman, God-ordained, and how they stand on Israel. So those are the three criteria I use when I'm picking someone that I'm going to vote for. But God does use world leaders to accomplish his will. And when we want to pray for the right man that God has in the government, it's not necessarily in our who we have as the right person. It's the person that God wants there to accomplish his will. You can go all the way back to Jimmy Carter, from Jimmy Carter to uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, George W. Bush, uh, or George H. Bush, uh, who was after that? Bill Clinton, uh, George uh, W. Bush, and then President oh. Obama. Uh, who else do we have? Oh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump. And, and yeah, and Joseph Biden. Biden. Mm-hmm. So God used each one of these leaders to advance the narrative of Bible prophecy. Yeah. So as you look back over history, yes, you're exactly right. That proverb is true, not only for politicians, but for all of us. Thank you, Connie, for the call. Charlotte is next. Hi, Charlotte. You're on the air. Hello. Hey, I have two things I wanted to talk about. Um, there, uh, one of the, I was watching 2020 about a week ago, and they showed a woman that uh, had a blood stain on her bottom. Oh, okay, are you dealing with the topic of Israel here? Yes. That was in Israel uh, okay, go, uh, when go. they were kidnapping her. Okay. And um, I was kind of angry because um, I thought they had they had religious standards about uh, raping other Muslims? women. Yeah. M- Muslims and, do not. Yeah, Muslims do not. No, ma'am. Uh, they, they only believe in one religion, and that is the religion of Allah. Tell you what, we're up against the break, Charlotte. Just hang on the line. We'll be back with you here shortly. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. We've got a couple open lines here. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung with us. 1-800-733-9829. That's 800-733-9829. Back in one minute on Crosstalk. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. I'm very distressed, my friends, as I see anti-Semitism rising among people who claim to be politically conservative. Some claim to be Christians. Some claim to be followers of the Make America Great Again movement, the MAGA movement. Some claim to be part of America First. What's very sad is, from these very groups, I'm seeing absolute anti-Semitism. Open attacks on people who are Zionist or Christian Zionist. They're actually using that word. Let's set the record straight. 
Genesis 12, verse 3 says, I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. We don't agree with everything the government of Israel does, but we stand with the Jewish people and understand their historic and biblical right to the land. And ultimately, we understand what God is doing with the nation of Israel that will eventually lead to Christ's millennial kingdom. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung Jr. with us today on Crosstalk as uh, we're making note of the Middle East war escalating. Uh, the website for our guest, prophecytoday.com. That's prophecytoday.com. Our number to Crosstalk, 800-733-9829. Uh, Charlotte, uh, you mentioned you had a second uh, question here. I coming. do. Mm-hmm. I do. And this one is uh, mm, bizarre. Uh, I work at a Christian uh, daycare. And I'm just wondering, we have Muslims that are applying. Now, no offense to any Muslim or anything like that. It's just that, um, is that, I mean, when I say Muslim, meaning as in, is there, should we be any concerns for us? Sure, always. Any, any, if, you, if it's a Christian daycare, I would only have believers that work there. So that's, that's, that's the policy of the daycare, whatever they However, they want to um, to to deal with that policy. But uh, when when you understand the Quran and Islamic jihad, holy war, yeah. don't take it. Don't be misled. Don't even think that you can take them. And just as you wouldn't bring a rapist or a child molester into the daycare, I wouldn't allow. If this is a Christian daycare, and you have Christian and people expect you to have your, um, what you believe in, and to teach the young people, I wouldn't have a Muslim. Just like we wouldn't, we can't embrace them. Islam doesn't stand for any other religion. I know that there were some major ministries, and I, you know, and there's a, a term, and it's called Chrislam. It was a mixture of Christian and Muslims coming together under the same roof. That will never happen. Islam means submission. Doesn't mean peace. It means submission, yeah. and that's the only way that they know how to deal with anybody that doesn't believe in Allah or Muhammad. And uh, keep in mind, as we've interviewed uh, Yusama Daktak, when they, that shout that goes out of Allahu Akbar, meaning Allah is bigger. My God is bigger than your God. Exactly. And if this is a Christian daycare, I, that, that certainly would be something you'd want to call into question. By the way, just a, a, thank you for the call. Uh, a note this coming Thursday on Crosstalk, Sharam Hadian, a former Muslim, is scheduled to be with us here on mm-hmm. Crosstalk. Uh, we've got uh, Lake Delton, Wisconsin. Carl, you're on the air. Yeah, I talked to the inventor of the neutron bomb. He's Jewish, by the way. And mm-hmm. I said, I read about your bomb in the Bible. And if you go to Zechariah fourteen twelve, it is word for word the effects of a human and with a neutron bomb. Does the eyeballs dissolve in the sockets, the tongue dissolves in their mouth while they're standing. And when they attack Jerusalem, that they're gonna use a neutron bomb. It's in the Bible. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for your, your thoughts on that. Uh Greg in Tucson, Arizona, you're on the air. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. DeYoung. Jim, you always have the best guests. God bless you. You know, what you mentioned a couple minutes ago, uh, that you make your voting choice among other things on abortion and same-sex marriage. As a Christian, I had no candidate between Trump and Biden. Yeah, I, stay, and, stay on our topic here, Greg, today of Israel. Well, that, the, that, That's where our topic I, is today in, in Bible prophecy related. Write in your own name, Greg. I'm just commenting on what you said. Yeah. Okay. It was. It was. Yeah. That was a side statement to our overall topic here today. So, do you have a question pertaining to our topic, Israel, the Middle East, etc.? No, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and and... No, I, I, I hear you. That that is uh, uh, becoming an, uh, something that's increasingly. And I, I, uh, Jim, we shouldn't allow politicians to be. You know. It, I see more people get involved in politics than they do in their church. Yeah, yeah. We should be much more involved in sharing the gospel message 
and let politicians be politicians. Yeah, and I, Greg, I appreciate your your kindness in 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 that as well. I want to stay focused on this. Many other days, we we will cover political issues and the Uniparty and and all those kind of things. I, I just don't want to deviate uh, from our main focus here today. Thank you for understanding. Uh, we've got Randy in uh, Grafton, West Virginia. Next, Randy, you're on the air. Yes, um, I believe the current conflict going in Israel is is not Ezekiel thirty eight or thirty nine. No. At least 38 no. and 39 are Armageddon because of the words that's used where Israel will never sin again, and all the changes to the ecology and the topography of Israel and the world, uh, that, that can only happen when Christ returns. But I also believe that we need to allow Israel to do what they need to do to defend themselves, and we need to stop interfering with that ability, because we wouldn't like it if someone kept us from defending our country. They need what they do. They need to do what they do to protect their people. Thank you for the comment, uh, Brother Jimmy, Ezekiel 38. I believe it takes place at the first part of the tribulation period when it talks about, uh, and when you look at Ezekiel 39, five, six of, the, of those that attack Israel will be wiped out. That's five, six of the Islamic world. And uh, it takes place at a time of peace. There's only peace within the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. Friends, we're out of time for further phone calls, just down to 90 seconds. Uh, Brother Jimmy, what would you like to leave with the listeners today? I would, you know, the most important thing that we can is to understand the urgency of the hour for us as believers. It's not about allowing Israel to re- to fight and do that. that. They will do. Nations will do that. They have done that. Since the beginning of nations, what we need to do is what God has given us the commandment to do, and that is to go and tell the world, preach the gospel, making disciples, telling others about God's gift of salvation, which was his son that died on Calvary's cross for us. And by doing that, that's the only way we can get to heaven, believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I would encourage you, understand the times in which we're living, and to live pure and productive in a uh, holy life in an unholy world. Do you believe time is short? I do, Jim. I believe. I don't. I think it's going to come. I think the rapture could take place before this program's over. Hmm. And friends, uh, <laughs> yeah, amen, amen, and, amen. Right? We're supposed. That's our prayer every morning. We wake up. Even so, Lord, come quickly. Amen, amen. And uh, friends, that's why the urgency of the moment uh, is before us, as uh, Brother DeYoung has mentioned here of being a light to a world that is in need of a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, Jr., thank you so much for being with us today and and joining us on this critical issue. Thank you, Jim, for giving me this opportunity. And friends, again, the website, prophecytoday.com, is the website, prophecytoday.com. Critical information to be understanding of the times in which we live. Yes, later this week, we'll be joined by Sharam Hadian, who will be unpacking some of the issues as a former Muslim himself as to the matters that are unfolding before us. God bless you, folks. Thanks so much for joining us here today on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.